Good morning. It's good to see you today. <clears throat> if you're a guest with us, I do want to take an opportunity here for a moment and just welcome you today. We're so glad that you've chosen to worship with us here at First Baptist, and uh, we hope to get, to get to know you better and get to meet you personally this morning. It is, uh, it is uh, great for us to be here today and to also uh, be mindful of the fact that the Lord brought the team from Guatemala back home safely. Uh, they returned uh, just yesterday from their service in Guatemala, and, and so far the reports I've gotten have all been very positive, and, and it sounds like many great things took place during their, during their trip. Also, uh, the Branson trip came back as well on Friday. And, uh, you know, the senior adult trip went to Branson and uh, had the privilege of being able to, uh, to go with them and uh, serve as their bus driver. And uh, I think I've already told many of you that I felt like I was taking kids to camp <laughs> and going to that conference. And I'll just leave it at that. I'll let you guess what might have taken place in the bus on the way there and back. Well, we're in the second week of a series called Wounded and Weary. And the purpose of the series is to look to the Word of God for comfort, to find direction or strength uh, for the challenges as well as the hurts of life. We know that each of us have experiences that have brought us pain, or we may currently be going through something that is very difficult. Um, We recounted uh, last week in our service several families that are being impacted, and and that list just continues to grow. And you know that it will, because in this life we will have, uh, we will have suffering. And so it's, uh, it's, uh, Kind of the Lord to give us uh, His presence and His strength. But it's also out of His goodness that He has addressed uh, many different topics in the Scriptures to to help uh, give us comfort and guidance. Uh, I said last week that I do not want to come and spend uh, just a few weeks offering cliches and and trite phrases to you. Uh, Pain is is too uh, deep. Uh, for us to try to give uh, simple answers for very difficult situations in life. Uh, I also said that I, I don't want to be insensitive, realizing that some uh, experiences have caused pain that has, has really cut us to the core. And so we want to approach a, a subject like this with great caution and with much grace and, uh, and, 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 and care. And so uh, uh, we, we only have a, a couple of weeks that we'll be looking at this. Uh, we'll conclude two weeks from today. And uh, hopefully uh, in this time there'll be some, some takeaways for you and some encouragements uh, to be able to, uh, uh, to take the next step towards healing, if that is indeed the case uh, that you need. I do want to help us see in this series that we are not alone. That, uh, that we're not isolated and by ourselves when it comes to, to suffering and pain, or even poor decisions that, uh, that may have brought about pain and regrets that we might have. So, so uh, we know that as a, as a church family, even though we don't always see that on the outside, right? We looked at this last week. Oftentimes there's things deeper down that we may not be seeing in one another. And as a church family, we need to be looking out for one another and caring for one another. Uh, I want us to, to be pointed to Christ, to look to Scripture, and to have hope in, uh, in, uh, in this life. And so I hope that, uh, uh, that this series will assist with that. There are two scripture passages which undergird the title of our series. The first one is in Psalm 147, verse 3. I gave both of these to you last week, but I'd like to, uh, to, uh, to begin with them just to recap. Psalm 147, 3 gives us a picture of the, of the heart of God. Old Testament passage that says that he, speaking of God, heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. 
So this is part of his nature, part of his character is to come alongside and to care for the one who is wounded and hurting. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. And he goes on to describe that as rest for your souls. And so the, this, is the, this is the Savior that we have, the Prince of Peace, Almighty God. He is the one who offers this kind of assistance for us in our time of suffering. This morning, we're going to consider the topic of anger. And anger is the cause, I believe, for many of the wounds that we've experienced in life. As we sit here today, we can probably all uh, recall how we've been affected by anger. Maybe you've had a relationship that was strained because of anger. Or possibly one that was even destroyed because of anger. Anger, when, it's go- when, it, when it goes unbridled, can create all kinds of, of uh, behaviors and issues that can cause pain. We may regret some of the words or actions that have come out of our lives in a in a time of anger as well. We look back and realize the influence of anger caused us to do something or to say something that we wished had never happened. Well, this morning, each of you are holding a rock, right? Do you have a rock? Were you given one? I'm a little nervous about this experiment up here. I hope you know that. Um, in all my years of preaching, I don't think this has ever been happened where I've had an armed congregation, right? And I'm really surprised that these front seats didn't fill up a little more this morning. (laughs) Well, we're going to be talking about what this rock represents. And it's going to represent something different to each of us. And you're going to have an opportunity at the end of the service to to, to bring this rock up. And and, and really, in a a very uh, uh, symbolic way, offer something back to the Lord. Uh, for some, the, the rock may, may represent uh, a painful memory. It may represent a rock that you feel has been thrown at you through words or actions. For others, it may be something that you feel like you have done that you would like to give back to the Lord and, 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 and with, with, a, uh, with a spirit of, of contrition, you know, ask for forgiveness. It may be a, a rock that, that, uh, that you, you put back down because you say there's something in my life that I just keep picking up and putting down and then I go back and I pick it back up again. And so it may be symbolic of, of, of once and for all bringing that back before the Lord. We don't offer that as an easy fix. It doesn't, doesn't solve things, but it could be very symbolic, a very symbolic gesture of taking that first step to deal with whatever it is that the Lord brings upon your heart today as we consider this topic together. I believe it's helpful for us to think through the topic of anger, to think about how to process our own anger, but also to consider the healing that is needed when we've been wounded by it. I also hope the message can be used in a, in a preventative manner. You know what I'm saying? I mean, for us to, to consider it in a way so that the next time we have anger and the fit of rage try to control us, that we can pause and the Holy Spirit can bring back to mind some of the passages that we've looked at today and give us some, some constructive and healthy ways to deal with that. And so uh, uh, last week we had eight different passages that we, that we, that we jotted down tonight, uh, tonight. This morning, I'm going to give you nine. Nine passages that you might want to jot down. And uh, maybe, again, something that, that you can use as a reference. Or could be something that you would give to someone else who is uh, really struggling and dealing with, with the anger. There will also be some questions that we'll be looking at at the end. And so uh, maybe those will be helpful. Uh, 
I have a word also to the young people that are with us today. And I hope that I, I really have your full attention today. Because I believe that this could be one of those messages that, that really makes a difference uh, in your life. Uh, to to uh, very po- quite, quite possibly save you from the result of a fit of rage and also to know how to how to handle and process that either personally as you as you experience anger or as you see it in the lives of others it will give you a biblical perspective on uh, on the topic so i hope that, that you'll see this is something for you as well we're going to begin by looking at the first point the danger of anger and we know that the bible is full of warnings about anger and the destruction which it can cause yet we know that there are also times in which anger is appropriate You may remember in the life of Jesus that there were a few occasions where the scriptures showed that that he had a righteous indignation. And uh, probably the the one that that comes to mind is when he was dealing with those in the temple who were the money changers. And do you remember what he said to them? He said, you've taken taken this place, which is to be a house of prayer, and turned it into a what? Den of robbers, den of thieves, yeah. And he was upset. He was angry. But did he sin? No, because Jesus didn't sin. And so it's possible to to have that anger and to have that response without sinning. And uh, and, uh, we see that in, in, in the life of Jesus. And I think that there are also occasions where we as believers should have indignation, righteous indignation. Um, there were several in the church family that gathered last weekend to think about the plight of orphans throughout the world. And when you consider what is taking place, not only in our country, but, but in, in, in a higher rate in other countries, it should be something that, that really impacts us, shouldn't it? That there are children that have that kind of need. Uh, we think of, about atrocities that are happening across the world as well. And uh, we, we, we see stories of what's happening to believers in, uh, in northern Iraq and in Syria, and in uh, uh, the northern part of Africa, whether it's ISIS or Boko Haram or these other groups. I mean, these are things that, that, uh, that, that, should, that should raise some anger within us because it is, it is, uh, uh, they are situations that are deserving of that. How many of you, if you saw someone harming your child or harming your spouse, would you not get angry about that? I hope that you would. I hope that's part of what God has given to us to be able to protect and to preserve. And even as a nation, I think there are times that, 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 that we need to look at what's happening around us, even with religious freedoms and so forth, and, and the, the, the restructuring of, of so many of our morals and values that we've held to and, and allow it to affect us. Would you agree with that? But there is a, uh, a type of anger that we'll be looking at today that is not the righteous indignation. And it's the one that I think that, uh, that we experience more often. Uh, Wayne Mack, in his book, Anger and Stress Management, God's Way, gave a definition of sinful anger. And it, this, this is a, a nice uh, little book, Anger and Stress Management, God's Way. It's one of a few that I have on anger that I keep uh, in my library. And I would recommend that one if that's, if that's one that, uh, uh, a topic that you would like to, to read more about. He said, our anger is sinful when we become angry for the wrong reasons when we allow anger to control us, or when anger is the dominant feature of our life. Sinful anger, Christ says, is related even to murder. The act of murder always begins with a heart filled with anger. In fact, he said in Matthew chapter 5, 
You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Matthew 5.22 says, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. You see what Jesus is saying here? He's saying that he's not only concerned with the external actions that one might do, he's also thinking and concerned about the internal heart which would lead someone to these actions. Now, of course, murder is a very extreme response, isn't it? There can be other ways that we can, um, that we can wrongly express our anger, both in actions and in words, which we'll be looking at this morning. But I think that the root issue here is seen in the heart, the heart of anger, which, uh, which can take root and then lead to behaviors. In Ephesians chapter 4, we read, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Ephesians 4.27, and give no opportunity to the devil. The NIV says, do not give the devil a foothold. Do you see what's being communicated here in Ephesians 4? That, that it says, be angry and do not sin. So it goes back to what we were talking about a minute ago, that there can be indignation that doesn't lead to sin. However, we have to be careful, right? Because it's very possible that the, that the rage within us, the anger that, that wells up, can cause us, can cause us to sin and to do great harm. In fact, the, uh, the 27th verse says that even the devil himself can use that anger and he can, he can have an opportunity, right? He can have a, a foothold in our life, even for just a brief moment, to cause us to do something that may be very regrettable. And so we have to, to realize that we're in, in that sphere of anger that there is a connection there to the adversary, the tempter who would like to come in and, and cause harm. So, uh, this is a clear warning. Uh, all of these verses are really. That anger can give an opportunity for us to, to make poor decisions. Anger that is unbridled can cause great harm to those around us. Let's think for a minute about the consequences of anger. There was a lady that, uh, that once confided in a pastor. You may have heard of uh, a pastor by the name of Billy Sunday. And uh, she confided in him uh, her perspective on, on her outburst. She said this. She said, there's nothing wrong with losing my temper. I blow up and then it's all over. Have you heard anybody say that before? Dare I ask if you've ever said that before? Okay, I won't ask that one. Here's how Billy Sunday replied. He said, so does a shotgun, meaning that it does blow up and it's all over, right? And he said, and look at the damage it leaves behind. And again, when you think about the consequences of anger, we might be on either side of them, right? We might be the ones that have, that have felt the brunt of the consequences, or we might have been the ones that were, that were creating them. Let's think about the consequences. We're going to look at foolish words and foolish actions, both. First of all, foolish words. We're going to look at several passages out of Proverbs. The first one is Proverbs 29 20. And uh, it says, begins with the question, do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So hasty, meaning, you know, a quick response, uh, maybe even uh, responding out of rage or out of anger, uh, speaking quickly before thinking. We've all had that experience, haven't we? Where we've, we've said things that, uh, that we regretted saying, um, 
Can I tell you that it happens to preachers too? Would you believe that? Sometimes um, uh, the, 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 the perspective and worldview of a 15-year-old girl and a 42-year-old man sometimes collide, right? And we experienced that this last week. And, uh, and your pastor said something to his daughter that he had to uh, come back later and say, you know, I really am sorry that I said it that way. I could have, I could have said it differently. I could have been kinder. Um, and, and we deal with that. Something comes up and, and we either get defensive or we go on the attack. And, uh, and we have to realize that, that those words can hurt. And they can, uh, they can, the, 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 the hurt and the pain can last. Um, these are the times in which we instantaneously blow up, just like that lady was saying uh, that she does, and, uh, and say things that we've not yet considered. And uh, this idea of a hasty word, uh, particularly a hasty word while we are angry, is one that doesn't usually end well. Um, later on, we wish we could take those words back, but it's too late, isn't it? I read a story several years ago. In fact, if you ask my kids, they could probably tell you this story because I've shared it in our home uh, a number of times. But it uh, it was about a a man who was sowing seed in his field. And he decided that he would take his son with him that day. And so he had a bag of uh, of grass seed. And if you've ever sown any seed, you know it's really fine, really small. And and so he was getting it and showing him how to cast it out into the field. And and, uh, at one point he even asked him, he said, take a whole handful... And take that grass seed and just throw it up in the air. And so the little boy was having a great time. He picked it up and he just threw it up in the air. And the wind caught it. And you know, it was just going all over the place. And then he stopped and said, now I want you to go and pick all of them back up and put them back in the bag. And the boy thought, Dad, there's no way I could do that. I can't, I can't go out and pick up all the seeds that we've thrown out and put them back in here. And he said, and your words are just like that. Your words are just like that. Once they've gone out. Once they've been dispersed, once they've gone and and left your mouth, uh, you can't bring them back. Even though sometimes we try to say, I take that back. Can we really? Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23 says, Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Good, good bit of wisdom there from Proverbs 21. We need to be disciplined in our speech. Here's another proverb that I use. I I have probably referenced this next one more than any other in a time of counseling. And uh, if you ever come in and and, and talk with me about an issue that that is within a relationship, I might use Proverbs 12, 18. And here's what it says. It says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Can you look at that one just for a minute? And look at the power of the word. And look at the, at, the, at the two ways that words can be used. Words can hurt, but words can also heal. In fact, in our, uh, in our uh, Wednesday afternoon prayer meeting, uh, Brother J.B. Peterson has been taking us through the book of 1 Peter. And, uh, and he was talking a few weeks ago about how there are is the, 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 the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives to, to, to prompt us to use healing words as opposed to the ones that come out of our fleshly nature, which are harmful or hurt, hurtful words, right? And so these are, these are passages that I think are so important for us as believers. It's part of our Christian maturity to be able to consider how our speech should be disciplined and how our anger should be restrained and dealt with appropriately. 
doesn't mean that it's all bottled up. It doesn't mean that we just say it's not really there, that we ignore it. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that it should be dealt with properly and worked through in a proper way. Uh, and, and that might even involve someone else talking it through with you and helping you to process what has taken place. Think about the consequences of the words. Do you see that phrase, thrust like a sword? Now, if we're to be honest, have... Have we thought of some words that people have said to us that were like sword thrusts? Anybody other than me ever received some of those words? You probably have. And you may be thinking way back, even to when you were a child, maybe something was said to you by a peer, and it stung. Or worse, maybe it was said by a parent. And you've just always thought, you know, I I remember being at at a friend's house one time. I grew up in uh, Friendswood, Texas, and it's a big neighborhood back behind our house, and I was always finding kids back there that I went to school with, and, and uh, we'd go in and out of each other's homes. And I remember one time a, uh, uh, a mom called one of my friends an expletive, and I'm not even going to say what she called him, and, and I mean, I was stunned. I, I couldn't believe that he was called that. It was, it was an expletive that meant fool, really. And, uh, and, and he kind of just shrugged it off and went on. But I thought, you know, that from a mom, that, that stung. I know it did. And, and I know that we, we may have heard similar things, maybe from a supervisor at work or from a spouse. And these are, these are like sword thrusts that hurt, words that, that tear down and criticize. And I think that as those who might say those words, we need to be warned about it. We need to consider the, 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 the damage that could, be, that could be caused. In fact, Jesus takes this a level higher in Matthew chapter 12. He says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. And I realize that can mean different things in terms of someone's salvation status, right? But I do believe that, that there is that, that time in which we go before the Lord. And, uh, and we, we answer for the way that we lived our life. And, uh, and this is one of those verses that speaks to that. Sometimes we've been on the receiving end, as I said. Sometimes we have a hard time overcoming what has been said. Uh, if we're not careful, the things that have been said to us or about us, we might begin to believe, Right? We might be able to identify and, and even think, well, maybe they're right. And maybe even be controlled by those statements or those words that were, that were, that were uh, seared into our minds. They are words that we've allowed to define us, or dare I say at times, even control us. I want to say that under the grace of God and by the, 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 the power of His redeeming gospel, that those words which have said, been said to you or about you do not have to define you. They do not have to control you. It may have been someone else's poor decision, their fit of rage, that, that, they, that, they, that they expressed those words. And, and there's no excuse for it. But I just want to say that we don't have to be controlled by those words. They do not have to define who we are. In fact, at our conference this last week, uh, one of the speakers is a pastor named Johnny Hunt from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And he quoted a song that, uh, that I'd like to share with you. It's uh, by uh, a singer named uh, Matthew West called Hello, My Name Is. Can I share that with you? <clears throat> How about I just read it? That'd be okay. Okay. 
Hello, my name is Regret. I'm pretty sure we have met. Every single day of your life, I'm the whisper inside that you won't, that won't let you forget. Hello, my name is Defeat. I know you recognize me. Just when you think you can win, I'll drag you right back down again till you've lost all belief. These are the voices. These are the lies. And I have believed them for the very last time. Hello, my name is Child of the One True King. I've been saved, I've been changed, and I have been set free. Amazing grace is the song I sing. Hello, my name is child of the one true king. He continues by saying, I am no longer defined by all the wreckage behind. The one who makes all things new has proven it's true. Just take a look at my life. Hello, my name is child of the one true king. Do the words of that song speak to you this morning? Do they minister some healing and some hope to you? They point us to Christ. And I want us to consider them because we know that words can be powerful. And uh, many things have been said to us or about us that can hurt. Maybe as a child, like me, you learned a nursery rhyme that said, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but you heard it too. All I have to say to that is, really? Who came up with that? The idea that words don't hurt. Those words do not define us or determine our future. Proverbs twelve eighteen shared it a minute ago. Let's look at it again. Because there's more that's said there. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings what? Healing. That's the other side of our words and our language. That we can come alongside and we can encourage and affirm and build up. Particularly in the body of Christ. Seeing opportunities to come alongside and pick someone up. Knowing that they've probably had sword thrusts from all outside this place, right? And can I also, while we're on the topic, say that I don't think it's appropriate for the sword thrust to be taking place in the building here. In the body of Christ. It's not appropriate. It's not appropriate. We are to be a people of healing. And we should find opportunity to, to, to encourage and to affirm. And, and in fact, I would say that even about the family. In our men's study uh, that we've been doing called 33 the Series, uh, I don't remember which week it was, but pretty early on, there was a, uh, one of the speakers was saying, there are some words that, speaking to fathers, but also to parents, and I think to grandparents, that, that every child needs to hear. One of them is, a phrase, I love you. And another one is a phrase, I'm proud of you. How many children would grow up and maybe not hear those words? I love you. I'm proud of you. Not to be said in a, in a trite way, but to be said in a very genuine, authentic way. I love you and I am proud of you. And I would add to that that, that there is another phrase that sometimes needs to be added in to our vocabulary as well. And that is, I forgive you. Or, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? These are things that that we need to use because they are words of healing, they are words of affirmation, they are words that that build up and not tear down. 
So anger does indeed lead to foolish words, but it also leads to foolish actions. Proverbs fourteen seventeen: a man of quick temper acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. Sometimes we, we, uh, we look at a quick temper kind of as a virtue. Would you agree sometimes the way it's portrayed even in, in the media, you know, maybe in an action film or something, this idea of a quick temper is something that is, that is held high and respected. You've probably heard of Will Rogers. Here's how he described it. I think he was right. He said, people who fly into a rage seldom make a good landing. Back in 1894, there was a baseball game being played in Boston. The Baltimore Orioles and the Boston Bean Eaters. 1894. They later became the Atlanta Braves from what I read. But at that time, they were the Bean Eaters. And the Orioles, John McGraw, got into a fight with the third baseman of Baltimore. Uh, His name was Tommy Tucker. And it was in the third inning. Uh, it had something to do with the slide and, and uh, someone getting stepped on. And those words, both teams, uh, you know, uh, joined into a brawl. But it didn't stay on the field. Someone out in the stadium lit a fire. And in 1894, you can guess what that structure was made out of, right? Out of wood. And uh, if you go back into the annals of base, baseball history, you'll see that, that this game was postponed in the third inning, not due to a storm, not due to, to, uh, to, to anything other than fire. And the whole stadium burned down. And so did a hundred buildings. It was the second largest fire in the history of Boston, Massachusetts. Where did it start? It started with some anger that went unchecked. It started with words, then went to actions, went out of control. James chapter 1 verse 19 tells us, Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and look at this, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The book of James is about practical Christian living, right? Christian maturity. And this is part of of what, what, what we need to affirm today, to be slow to anger, realizing that it does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, I've heard people say, and I've even heard it in the church, well, I just say whatever is on my mind. Ever heard anybody say that before? I just say whatever's on my mind. And, and, and here's the response that I give. That is just too bad. It's too bad that you would just say whatever is on your mind. That's, that's unfortunate. That's not a virtue. It's nothing to brag about. What you're saying is I don't have any self-control about whatever comes out of my mouth. And that is, that is sad. And so we need to say that we don't want to be the one that just says whatever. We want to think about the consequences of our words and our anger. So you might be saying, okay, pastor, I'm convinced. I've, I've seen these passages today and I want to I I uh, take some steps. I want to give to you as we close six questions that can be asked when you feel the anger beginning to boil within. Practical help with anger. And I'm, I'm drawing this, these straight from this book, Anger and Stress Management, God's Way by Wayne Mack. Um, these are questions that he asked. They might be helpful to jot down. The first one is this. What is happening? What is happening? It causes us, let's identify what it is that's taking place. What's triggering the anger? Is it that situation? Or is it frustration or hurt or insecurity or fear? Do you remember the cup picture that we looked at last week? I should have put that back up today. About all the different things that happen in our lives being like a cup that gets full and then the overflow happens. Sometimes the anger that's coming out is because of something else that's not been dealt with. 
So that's where we start. What is happening? Number two, what are my thoughts about the situation? That's where you're, you're looking at what you think about it. This is what the situation is and this is what I'm thinking. Again, why, why are these questions being asked? To try to keep us from being hasty, right? Number three, what do I want that I'm not getting or what am I getting that I don't want? There's a good question to ask. That helps us identify. Identify our desires and our motives. Number four, right now, what am I being tempted to do? This is where we look at our own response. And I know this is hard. I wish last week that some of these questions had popped into my mind before I spouted off, right? I know it's hard. But for us to think, what am I being tempted to do? Am I being tempted to to pout or to quit? Or on the other side, am I tempted to take revenge and attack? To tear someone down? Here's a good question. Number five, how would God want me to respond? In light of Scripture, what should I do? How can I glorify God in the way I respond? Now, it doesn't mean that there is no response. It doesn't mean that we just act like nothing's happening and don't deal with it. That's not the admonition here. We want to make a healthy decision, right? And hopefully these questions will lead to that. And the final one is, what will I do at this time? Will I please God or please self? That's the decision point. Will we let the anger take root in all of its accompanying attitudes and actions? Or will we instead to choose Christ for His strength and respond as He leads us? Well, I hope that this brief time considering the topic of anger will be something that is helpful to you. I know that it may not necessarily be the most encouraging topic we could have considered this morning, but I think we would all agree that it's very practical. And God's Word is replete with verses that speak about it. So, so I think it's, it's uh, an advantage for us to give attention to it as well. We're going to move now to the time of what we're going to do with these rocks. And I know this is new, this is different. I've not done this before. But I think it's something for us to, 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 to think very carefully about. We're going to have uh, a song that's played. And by the way, this is not the offering. This is kind of the conclusion of the sermon, if you will. It's a time of response. Do you have in your mind today something that has hurt you? And maybe there's some pain that's associated with it that you would just like to bring and lay that rock into this vase and ask for the Lord to take it. Maybe the stone could be an experience, as I said earlier, where you've had something where you've laid it down and then you've gone right back up and picked it up again. You've laid it down and you've picked it up. Maybe this would be a time of saying, Lord, I want to give this to you. Maybe it could represent some bitterness, some anger that you've been holding on to, of something that was done to you, said about you, that you've just not letting go of. This could be a time. And I I want to underscore that I'm not suggesting that simply taking a rock, dropping it in a vase will be a complete healing. I I think I've touched on that already. There are other healthy responses. There is there's time that's needed for healing. But could this be a first step? Could it be a reminder to us that we have a God, a Savior, who said, cast your cares upon me? That we can give this to Him. The first step towards forgiveness. The first step towards moving past something that was painful. Maybe even representing the release of something that's been said or done. Would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for being a God who cares about the wounds of this life. 
And God, I pray that you would use your word today to to encourage and to affirm and to heal. Lord, may it not be used as a way to, to prompt regret or remorse, unless, of course, it's something that we need to come and confess to you. Father, we thank you for being a God who is present with us even now. And we pray that you would take this time of response as part of our worship today. And may it be a statement to you and to ourselves that we are bringing something before you today. So may you bless this time of response. May your Holy Spirit be at work. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. All of God's people said, Amen.